spending the first month of the year just hitting reset on some things. Getting back with our walk of Christ, getting back to the basics, if you will. Uh, Christ follower 101. Just kind of resetting. It's so easy in the hustle and bustle of life. It's so easy as we fight the tyranny of the urgent. It's so easy as we're dealing with marriage and kids and work and finances and pandemics and the craziness in our world that we just get out of the disciplines that enable us to grow and strengthen our relationship with Christ. The first week of the series, we talked about just getting back to how powerful this book is. And we got back and we talked about how you get into the Word of God. And I've enjoyed some of the stories some of you have been sending me about reading Bible, your Bible and going through the Gospels and going through the Proverbs. And it's amazing how God's Word will always speak to you right where you are in life and what would you need in life. The second week of the series, we talked about prayer, and we talked about we have this awesome freaking gift called prayer that God, the creator of the universe, allows us to communicate with him. And we talked about the problem is we go through the motions in our prayer life, and we talked about praying big prayers and expecting big things from a big God and not insulting God with our our feeble attempt at prayer, but coming to him believing that he wants to do great and mighty things. And last week, we were supposed to talk about giving ourselves to God, but obviously we didn't have church. So here we are this week, and we're going to pick up where we left off. We'll wrap up the series next week. And I want to give you a statement today that is probably going to butthurt some of you, that's going to upset some of you because you've been lied to your whole life by your parents who wouldn't discipline you, by your spouse who doesn't want to make you mad, by your friends who don't have the testicular fortitude to speak truth into your life. And we have grown into the mindset that life is all about us, but the statement very simply is this, life isn't about you. I want you to think about that phrase for a moment. Life isn't about you. By nature, we, Gary Lamb, king of what I'm about to talk about. By human nature, we're selfish people. Even those of us who consider ourselves givers, servers, Those of us who would never consider ourselves selfish, at the end of the day, we're selfish people. Every problem that we've ever had in life, for the most part, can be traced back at the root of the issue to the fact that we are simply selfish individuals. Marriage problems can be traced back to selfishness. Financial problems many times can be traced back to selfishness. Addictions can always be traced back to selfishness. Career advancement, we're selfish. What we want out of life, we're selfish. Every problem we've ever had can be traced back at its root, whether we realize it or not, to thinking that life is about us. What we want at this moment, if it feels good, do it. (laughs) What we want, we want. My life... My rules, 
Life isn't about you. It's a problem, actually, though, as old as time. If you go back to the beginning, you see this dude in heaven named Lucifer. He was the highest of all the angels. He was actually the minister of music in heaven. Can't help but wonder if that's why so many churches have problems in the area of worship. He wanted the praise. Second in command, the most, second most powerful person in all the universe. And begin to think life was about him. He wasn't getting the praise. He wasn't getting the worship. <laughs> Adam and Eve had heaven on earth. They literally got to walk around naked, name animals, eat fruit off trees. How, it doesn't get much better than that. Yet one tree they couldn't eat from. Satan convinced them there was a reason because God didn't want them to become like him. And in their selfish, selfishness, they did it. <laughs> We're that way in our walk with God. The reality is we don't pick a church because the church is missional. We don't choose a church to attend based on, man, what can we bring to the table to help that church fulfill its mission? We're selfish when it comes to church, let's be honest. We attend church for what we can get out of it. Oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I don't really enjoy the church that we go to. I mean, the kids' area is awesome. Man, I love the band. Man, I love that I can slip in, sit on the back row and leave, and nobody even knows I was there. We like the music. We like the kids' area. We like what time it's over. Instead of looking at church and asking where we can get involved to further the mission, we look and say, man, how can that vision serve me? I don't want to miss the service to serve. I want the service to feed me. We're selfish people. It's just human nature. I'm the king of selfishness. I have a tendency to think the world revolves around me. But the problem with the mindset of selfishness is it goes against everything following Christ is about. I tell people when you decide to follow Christ, you lose your rights. Your rights no longer become about you, it becomes about others and furthering the message of Jesus Christ. I mean, even Jesus himself, the King of Kings, came to earth not as a king. But as a sacrifice for our sins, look what the Bible says in Matthew 20. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to me. Think about that. The Son of Man came to earth not to be worshipped, not to be praised, not to set up his kingdom. And by God, he could have set up his kingdom. He came to serve. And as you read the life of Christ and you study the life of Christ, you'll see that he served by that day standards the least of these. He didn't come for the religious. He didn't come for the influential. He came for the hurting. He came for the downtrodden. He, he was literally called a friend of sinners based on the people that he did life with. Even Jesus understood that life wasn't about him. It was about other people. It was about us. It, it was about giving all that you can to the purposes of God. Don't miss this. 
even when it's uncomfortable. There's so many verses in the Bible that, that show the humanity of Jesus. That show that he dealt with the same struggles that you and I deal with. But I think one of the ones, to me, that blows my mind the most is to realize, man, Jesus felt everything that we felt is right before he gives his life on the cross. And he's talking, he's in the garden praying, and look what he says. Going a little farther, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible. May this cup be taken from me, this cup of I have to be crucified, this cup of I've got to pay the price for everyone's sins, this, this, this price of what they're about to do to me. If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Man, I love this verse. It, it literally shows me the fear, the, the concern the nature of Christ, realizing, man, I, I, this is not how I would choose to end things. Hey, Dad, if there's any other way for you to accomplish your will without me going through what I'm about to have to go through on the cross, hey, that'd be awesome. I'd be a big fan of that. But at the end of the day, Christ, not, not my will. Your will, God. Hey, hey, Dad, this doesn't seem like a lot of fun to me. I'm in human form. I'm going to feel every hit and every lick and every pain and every mockery. I'm going to feel that crown of thorns when they put it on my head. And I'm going to feel the nails as they run them through my hands and my feet. And I'm going to feel my life escaping from me. And I just got to be honest, I'm not looking forward to it. It's not how I would pick things. But, but... Your will, not my will. It's not about me. God, it's about your mission. I understand that somebody has to pay the price, and I'm the only one that can do it. And no, I'm not saying it's something I'm looking forward to, but God, I'm willing to do what needs to be done. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I'm willing to give all of me to accomplish the mission, the vision, God, that you see for the world. The, self, the selflessness of Christ. But we don't operate selfless, we operate selfish. We'll do it if it's convenient for us. We'll do it if it lines up on my schedule. We'll do it if it's something I want to do. We'll do it if, if I can make it work and fit you in. But we're not willing to give. We give parts of our life to Christ. The parts that we're willing to give to Christ... Christ says, I want all of you. The Bible says he's a jealous guy. He said, I, I don't want 10%. I don't want 50%. I don't want 90%. I, I want 100%. I want you to be willing to give what needs to be given in order to accomplish the mission. God, God I, I, this isn't how I would choose things, Dad, but hey, hey, I realize it's not about me. One of the most life-changing principles you can ever have is to realize life is not about you. It's to know you're in the center of God's will, doing what he put you on this earth to do. 
God's not a puppet master. He's not up there pulling the strings, forcing you to do what needs to be done. He, he wants to know that you're going to willingly do that. Even if there's times that you don't want to do that. You know, I keep it really real around here. Let me give you an example of that. If it was up to me, I love you. I love being the pastor of this church. This place has been my second chance. I've been here 10 years now. Down here in the ghetto of Canton, it was never how I envisioned things. But if it was up to me, I'd already be gone. Is that not true? I don't know where she at, so she's at today. Every time I point to her, she's walking out. I tried to leave two years ago. We were up hour north looking at land. I've been watching too much Yellowstone. I was going to become a farmer. Farmer Gary. That lasted about three days. But every time. Now let me make this clear. I haven't looked to go to any other church. Another church would have me. And I, I understand that. But I, I've tried to leave numerous times. But God won't let us leave. At the end of the day, you just throw up your hands and say, God, it's not your will, but my will. Someone asked me that. They said, man, your business is booming. You're growing and you're doing this. They said, when are you going to leave the church? I said, what do you mean? They said, man, you're killing it. But how much I know that's got to be, knowing you've got to be there every Sunday and your other businesses on those Saturdays, I know it's got to be. When are you leaving? I said, I said, I can't leave. Every time I try to leave, the door closes. Every time I try to leave, my business starts going south. Every time I try to leave, God closes the door. I come up with grand schemes and grand plans, and I think, man, this is it, and I'm going to go walk off into the sunset, and man, 17 years of serving in this community, and I'm done, and I'm going to go enjoy having a weekend for once. Did you know, I learned this last Sunday, that before NFL games come on, they have a thing called a pre-show. I never knew that. Never hold when there's a pre-show on. I didn't know that. Did you know that people, like if you go to the grocery store, I did this last Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning, like it's the greatest time to shop. There's no one there. Like I had a whole new world opened up to me last Sunday with no church. And it was amazing. And I decided about 9.30, because I'd, li- I'd given myself an out on the Facebook page. I was like, if I feel like going live, I'll go live. And if I don't feel like going live, I won't. Because, man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. We're going to have breakfast as a family. It is going to be awesome. And I'm not going to think about Action Church. And then about 9.50, I was like, I guess, crap. Breakfast is done. I done been to the store. I done beat the kids today. I didn't yell at the dogs. I didn't try to get lucky and been told no. Like, what else am I going to do? So being last minute like I said, I'm going to go in my office. And I guess I'll go live. And I go in my office and I flip on the switch. And the light don't come on. My office is dark. The light bulb had burned out. So now I'm in panic mode. She's like, why are you worried about it? You weren't going to go live anyway. Don't worry about it. I said, no, I got to go live. I, gotta wanna, I, I got I got something. I just want to go encourage all our people and just thank them for all they do to me. I said, but God won't let me not do it. 
I'd be like, y'all are my punishment in life. <laughs> no, just kidding. My point is, man, it's about being willing to do what God calls you to do. I know you feel the same way. I'm your punishment. We have to listen to this guy every week just ramble. We have to listen to everybody on social media go crazy on him all the time. Being willing to do whatever. Jesus understood this. I want to challenge you this year. More than ever in your life to be willing to do whatever it takes to further the cause of Christ. Well, whatever it takes that God is willing and asking you to do, to say, God, I'm willing to do that. If it doesn't make sense, I'm willing to do it. If I don't understand how it's going to, because that's the problem with so many of us. We want to see the end result. What's going to happen if I do this? I don't know. Just take the next step. We can't see around the bend, but we forget that Isaiah says, man, he goes before us and he makes the crooked places straight. We haven't been anywhere today. God wasn't yesterday. He's just waiting for you to follow. Now, the biggest lie the church does and preachers tell you is, man, if you get in the center of God's will, it's the safest place you'll ever be. No, bullcrap. It's the most dangerous place you can ever be. But it's the most amazing place you can ever be. It's the greatest sense of purpose. God never promised us a life of safety. He never promised us a life of comfort. He said, in this world, you will have trials. You'll have tribulations. He said, you'll go through rough times. Guess what that's called? It's called life. I started following Christ and my life didn't get any better. No, it got better because he's with you. But you think, you think following Christ is the magic pill, man. You follow Christ, all of a sudden your marriage is good, and your finances are good, and your kids are good, and your job's good, and you've got sense of purpose and, and nothing ever. You think it's just walking through the sunflower fields as unicorns are dancing around, farting out bubbles, and that's just not how it works. With all due respect to a whole sect of Christianity that says, man, if you just love God, everything's going to be good. It's not always good, but he's always with you. He says, I'll never leave you. Oh, you decided to come back in? Now that I don't need you? Twice. Twice now I've looked down. How about in the future we don't have three people with the same length of hair, all in black either, okay? Messing me up over there. Man, following Christ is one of the most fulfilling things you can do. When was the last time you could say, man, I was willing to give all of myself to Christ to see what he could do through me. There's a great story in 2 Kings. I think it illustrates this. The Bible says this in 2 Kings uh, 4.1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Elisha, we have talked about him a lot. He was kind of the um, trainee of Elijah, who that we've talked about a lot. Elisha went to Elijah and said, I want a double portion of all you've accomplished. And Elijah blessed him with that. Elijah's went up. Elisha's now running the show. She goes to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take away his sons. So she comes to Elisha, she says, my husband's died. We owed money. I can't pay the money. He's going to come take my two sons to pay the debts. And she, you can imagine the fear. She just lost her husband, and now she's about to lose her children. So you can just feel her anguish here. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, 
What do you have in the house? I, I dig this. He said, he said well, don't got a lot. Finances aren't lining up. Your husband, who was the provider, is now gone. Man, your kids are about to be taken from you. What do you have? What do you have? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but... I love butts. Biblical butts. And my wife's butt. Nobody else's butts. Maidservant has nothing but a jar of oil. I find this kind of interesting today. Jack came in today. Jack works at a big warehouse, and Jack didn't know what I was preaching on today. And sometimes when the warehouse has surplus stuff, he brings it in, and they brought in big jars of oil, olive oil. I saw everybody walking out of the car with olive oil. Come to church and get olive oil. But I thought it was fitting today because all she had was a jar of oil. Nothing else. Creditors are going to come take her kids to pay the debt. Her husband's passed away. She comes to the man of God, says, what shall I do for you? What do you have in your house? I have nothing in the house but a jar of oil. He said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, empty vessels. And then look what he says, do not gather just a few. Don't gather just a few because we're about to see God move in a way that you never expected. So I need you to get a bunch. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then you shall pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. She's only got one jar of oil. They told her to get a bunch of vessels. A bunch of vessels. She took that one vessel. What it says? All that she had, she's at the end of a rope, has nothing else. The man of God tells her to take all she has. One jar, pour it into a vessel. But he told her to get a bunch of vessels. So she pours it into one vessel and bam, it's still full. She pours it into a second vessel and bam, it's still full. And third vessel and a fourth vessel. So they went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, brought the vessel, and she poured out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, it doesn't say how many vessels, but it was more than a few. Few, I looked that up today, apparently few is three, I didn't know that. So there was more than three. She said to her son, bring me another vessel. He said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Check this out, check this out, check this out. The blessing didn't end. The vessels did. If she'd had the faith to have 100 vessels, the oil would have kept going. I don't know how many vessels she had. Let's say she had 20 vessels. Filled up 20. We limit God by not having more vessels. She was willing to give all she had one vessel. And God kept pouring out. Bring me another vessel. So the oil ceased. Check it out, check it out, check it out. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go. Sell the oil. Sell what oil? 
the oil in all the vessels. She started with one vessel. Now she's got a bunch of vessels. And she really limited the blessing because she could have had more vessels. I'd have been like pouring vessels in, like oil in shoes, bags. I mean, I, the flower pot would have been, I didn't pour it in the flower pot. So that discounted, it's dirty. I'd have been taking the coffee cup that Kristen spilled coffee on me with, in case y'all didn't know that she spilled coffee all over me today. And I'd been like, let's fill that up with oil. I've been filling everything up. The blessing didn't end. Her belief in how many vessels could be filled up ended. But she still, God showed out. See, God shows out even when we don't fully believe the magnitude of his blessing. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. She had enough to sell, pay off the debt, and had enough to live on. See, when we give God all we have, he's an on-time God. God might not operate in the way you think he ought to operate. Don't laugh at this coffee stain back here. That Kristen spilt on me, in case y'all didn't know it was her. I'm pretty sure I have third-degree burns back there, too. I can feel them. Going to the hospital after this. After I go to Buffalo's, I'm hungry. God's an on-time God. God always fulfills his promises when we give him all we have. The problem is we don't give God all we have. We give God what we're willing to give him. God, I'll give you my marriage. I'm not going to give you my possessions. God, I'll give you my children. Help them to be raised up and serve you. No, no, no. Only got $25, God. I'm going to give you five. We limit God and his blessings. My challenge to you this year is, are we going to give all that we have to God? Fully realizing that once we give it, God's going to bless us back. Now, as God asks us to give him everything, all of us, I love that song. This is one of my favorite songs. This is my offering to you, God. I'll give you my life because it's all I have to give. When you give your life to Christ and you're willing to give him all that you have, the peace and fulfillment and purpose that comes along in your life, God, I'll give you this part of my business, but I'm not going to give you this business. God, I don't know how my marriage is going to make it, but but I'm not ready to turn it over to you yet. Give God what we want to give him. But if we gave God all that we had, she gave him all that she had. She had one jar. One jar. But the problem is, she was looking at it in the natural. God operates in the supernatural. She just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. It's funny, the more you pour out, the more God fills you up. 
I can't tell you how many people have come to me and they have found out the purpose in their life and they start beginning to serve God. And they're like, I'm never more fulfilled. I, I, it's almost like I have more hours in the day now. It, it's almost like the more I, I help this person, the more God helps me. Because we serve an unselfish God. He pours into us as we pour into others. As we take our candle and we light another candle, our candle doesn't burn out. It just lights the next candle. And one candle could light 500 candles in here without ever losing its fire. It's an amazing principle. And there's some unique parallels here. And I want the first thing we see in the story, though, is we, we see a focus on our own problems. You know why? Ready? Because we're selfish. Remember? Remember the beginning? We can't give God all of us. Because we're too busy on our own problems. Look what it says. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, has died. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditors come and take my two sons to be a slave. Hey, hey, prophet. My, son died. my husband died. What a horrible thing. What a horrible thing. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what would happen if I lost my spouse. I, I can't imagine what Patty's going through having lost heart last weekend. But, but what we can do in those situations, we can get so focused on what we've lost that we miss out on what God wants to do. Here's what I believe in that situation. We're going to have Art's funeral hill next week. But I believe God's going to be magnified in that. I believe God's going to be glorified in that. I believe God has a purpose. And I remember the first time Art ever came to this church. First time. I don't even know if Patty knows this story. He came into me after he said, that was interesting. I said, okay. You see, he had like a chip on his shoulder. Art. Okay, thanks, man. He almost got a little bowed up a little bit, like as much as Art's going to get bowed up. You know, I don't believe there's a God. I said, okay. I don't know if you want me to argue with him. Like he's the first not-believing God person I've ever met. And I was like, okay. Well, she wants to come. I don't know if I'll be back. Okay. Well, you mean to beg you to come back? How many years ago was that, Patty? Huh? 2012. Nine years ago. Sucker been back every week. Said he was around. Working with my wife every Sunday. I couldn't imagine losing. Spouse like that. But I believe God's going to be magnified in that. A guy who didn't believe in God to, who served in our church and loved God and believed in the mission of this church and loved his wife and, and loved the people here. And we loved him. That's the impact when you focus on others. Huh. Elijah's the prophet of this time. He's been trained. He's received a double portion of Elijah's gifts. She could go to this man and ask him to do anything She's in the presence of the prophet of God. But yet she's too busy feeling sorry for herself. Lost my husband and now the creditor's coming to take my two kids. And man, I'm concerned about this and I'm concerned about that. And all she can do is focus on her own issues. And we're so guilty of that. We start following Christ, but in, instead of realizing it's about him, we think it's about us. And we get so focused on our problems and our struggles and our issues. And we make God a sounding board instead of asking God how we can be used. 
Man, we're so negative as a human. Man, like we, we talk crap about our marriage and never talk good about our marriage. My wife and I have huge discussions about that in the past. We talk so much smack about our children and how they're driving us crazy, and they are driving us crazy because they're little terrors of us. But man, instead of talking about the good things they do. This lady's focused on her problems instead of what God can do that. I, I can't help but wonder if instead of asking God to get in, involved, she's like, I need you to get involved. Quit asking God to get involved in what you're doing. Start asking God how you can get involved in what he's doing. <laughs> Story time. A lot of you are sheltered from this. We have run the warming shelter here at this church for seven years. Seven years. City asked us to do it seven years ago. Temperatures drop a certain degree. We open the doors. They come in only one in the county. Seven years. We've never asked for a penny from the outside. We've never asked for help from the outside. You guys have always supplied the needs, and it's always worked out. But there's some guidelines in place that we have to do to run that shelter. So this week... Bunch of Facebook social media warriors, justice warriors. One of them saw a homeless person and somewhere at a stop sign, and they were ready to take on the whole world of homelessness in Cherokee County. Someone posted on there, Action Church needs to open, but it wasn't cold enough for us to open. We have guidelines. We have to open. Almost 700 comments later, I was the Antichrist. We were a cult. All we, all we cared about was money. Yes. Yes! As you can see. Yes! Oh, man. Got compared to Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein has way better hair than I have. It was just a diatribe of blah, 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 blah. I ignored it for like a day. I ignored it for like a second. Anybody say that? Because it's almost like this private group. Oh, yeah, you saw it. I just ignored it. Y'all kept DMing. Y'all don't go on there. I said, I'm not going on there. So finally, I sent that administrator the past. I said, can I join this page and make a post? Yeah. So I got on there. I made a post. And I just explained the heart behind the shelter, when we can open and when we can't open. And I said, also, the problem with some of y'all is you see a need and think you know how to meet the need, but you have no idea what the people need you're meeting, what they want. Because the reality is homeless people, they don't leave their tents to come into the building. That's their home. I know that's hard for us to comprehend. We think we would leave the tent to come in immediately. It's not how it works. It's their home. Everything they own is in that tent. The two bags of stuff they own is in that tent. And so our experience has been it's got to be down in the teens for multiple days before finally the, 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 the physical pain of being in the cold is enough for them to come in. And I let them know very quickly, you guys can blast me, you can cancel me, you can... They were like, we tried to leave voicemails, but the voicemail's full with everyone else complaining. No, the voicemail's been full because we ain't checked it in six years. We literally don't even have a phone plugged up in the office. We literally have not checked the voicemail and see. It's been full for five and a half years, has it not? <laughs> we, I don't even know how to, we don't even have a phone in the building. 
but they had the answers. Glad to see we're, we're I'm glad to see we're just pressuring them through the voicemails. Okay. Pretty sure that got filled up when we decided to do a needle exchange six years ago. I said, you can do whatever you want to. We're not going to change how we operate. But the problem is, they were too focused on the feel-good story they wanted instead of fully meeting the needs. They were, they were too busy trying to create something that they had no knowledge of instead of stepping back and saying, man, where does it seem God's moving in that area? Oh, man, God's moving there. What can we do to assist? After that, a bunch of them did. What can we do? I said, here's what you can do. They don't want to leave their tents. You can get them proper clothing, proper sleeping bags. You can get them these products because they want to stay in their tent and they want to stay warm. Oh, thank you so much. That's where God's moving. That's why over the years people say, why don't we do this anymore, do that anymore? Because we did things the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes for such a time as this. There was times there was needs and God was moving in that area. And there was time God wasn't moving in that area. And we move out of that area and we, we get back and we step back and we say, God, where are you now moving and what can we get involved in? We'll never be the church that does stuff just to do it because we've always done it. It's not how we operate. But we get too busy looking at our own problems and we think God ought to get involved in our problems and God say, man, I'm over here moving. I'm just waiting for you to get involved with what's already happening. Man. God, I know there's so many needs around me. I just got divorced. My kids are out of control. God, my finances are bad. I'd love to help others, God, but I got to help myself first. No, 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 no. When you start helping others, God send others to come along and help you. How it works, it's called learn and return. When you focus on your own issues, all you're going to send yourself down a spiral, and that's what was happening to this lady. She was focused on her own self instead of on the others. Second, we need to see the potential God sees. See, in the midst of your mess, you're seeing a mess, and God sees potential where he's about to take a miracle and make it out of your mess. The greatest miracles come from the greatest messes. But you try to avoid the mess and then wonder why there's no miracle. Hmm. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Well, go borrow from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Don't gather just a few. He warned her. He's dropping a hint. I'm about to load you up. When you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and pour all these vessels and set the full ones. <laughs> this lady's focused on dying. Husband's gone, kids are about to be taken, and all I got is a jar of oil. I guess I'm just going to sit here in my house and feel sorry for myself. That's loser mentality. Someone told me that they said, I don't think you understand mental illness. I said, why? Well, you just talk about winners. I, well, I understand. Listen, I understand mental illness. I, you, I, I don't discredit mental illness. But I refuse to allow mental illness to become an excuse to lose in life. You ain't got to amen that. You ain't got to like that. You can love it or lump it. You can never come back over it. There's doctors that can help you with that. There's exercises that can help you. There's mental things that can help you with that. But you'd rather just focus on your problems 
and miss out on the potential of what God wants to use. God might be ready to take your mental illness and harness it to help others with the same issue. She's just ready to call it quits. But she's got a jar of oil. What's the big deal about a jar of oil? I'm about to find out. Big deal in it. And she actually robbed herself of some of the blessing by not having more jars to pour oil in. I believe if she'd have had 10,000 jars, God would have filled 10,000 jars. We limit God by our faith. <laughs> God has unlimited power and we limit it. Someone know this, I'm just praying God provides my house payment. I said, y'all pray God provides about five of them. Why? I said, well, what good is it going to do to get this month paid? You're going to be back in the same boat in 30 days. I said, imagine if God brought in five house payments and it gave you a little bit of leadway to get back on your feet and you had the, the, the pressure of that off for five months where you could get refocused and get back going. I never thought of that. I just don't want to be selfish in my prayers. That's a big prayer. Sun stands still prayer. We talked about that two weeks ago. I ain't limiting God. I prayed to God the other day for our business. I said, God, I pray we make a million dollars this year. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to be happy if we make 100000 I'm going to be happy if we just pay the bills. But it takes as much effort to pray for the million as it does for the 100000 Same syllables. Go big or go home. We don't understand the potential of the God that we serve. She's focused on dying, and she still has the thing of oil. If God had never poured that oil into another, I'd have sold the one jar of oil I had. And I'd have figured out a way to take that little bit of money and start trading up. You ever seen those people that have a paper clip, and they trade the paper clip for something, and they get it, and they trade that for something, and they trade that? I saw the other day on, on, on this document, this guy had a paper clip and through all the trades. 732 trades. Traded the paper clip for a candle. Traded the candle for something. Then traded something for a car. Then traded the car for a boat. Ended up in the end with a $350,000 house. He started with a paper clip. I don't know how that happens. Because you don't see the potential in God. Little as much when God is in it. How many times has your finances been so broken, you go to God and they just stretch? I don't know how they stretch. They just stretch. That tank of gas just stretches. You should be out of gas. and It just keeps on going. You thought that washer was going to die three months ago, and it's still running. It's loud. It's clanky, but it's still running. Little as much when God is in it. And if you give him what you got, he'll get in it every time. Problem is, we don't trust God enough to give him all that we have, including ourselves. I got to get out of here. We don't see the potential. And then lastly, we just got to be willing to start pouring out. You ain't got anything. No, you got something. Give it. So she went with him and shut the door behind her. And the sons brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass 
When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. Pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. So the oil ceased. When she quit pouring out, when she quit having something to pour into, the oil ceased. She came and told the man, he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. It's where the rubber hits the road. Are you willing to take what you have and give it to God? For God to multiply and God to use. I've got three things I want to talk to you about. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to get through them all. We'll continue this next week. Dear, I don't have anything to give you do. First thing you got to give is your time. Your time. You know the most valuable thing you have in the world is time. It's the one thing you lose that you can never get back. I can lose all my money and make more money. Been there, done that. I can lose all I have and rebuild my life. Job proved that. But once I've lost my time, I can't go back and get it back. It's the most valuable thing I have. And we have time. We all have the same amount of time. 24 hours in a day. 365 days in a year. Nobody has more time than anyone else. We all have time. And God says, you can give your time to him. James 4.14 says this. It says, what is your life? We don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that pierces for a little while and then vanishes away. I don't have time to serve others. I don't have time to give to God. Yet you have time to binge watch your favorite TV show. Whoa, about fell off the stage there. I'd have been laying down there still preaching with a broken leg. See what happens when you get coffee spilled on you? All your equilibrium is off and everything. Where is Kristen? You hang your head in shame. Don't ever hug me again. Broken ankle from spilled coffee. I think it's running down my leg and the bottom of my shoes are slick now. And that's why 10 years I've never almost fallen off that stage. Tool of Satan she was used today. Time. It's funny on this thing the other day about the shelter. They're like, what do you need? I said, we don't really need anything. I said, well, how does it work? I said, well, we come down to the building, and we open the doors, and then someone stays down here. And it's funny. People are like, oh, we'll bring sleeping bags. I said, we don't need sleeping bags. We have them. We'll bring cots. I said, we don't need cots. We have them. Oh, we'll bring food. I said, we don't need food. I said, I make one call to Zach Kell at Downtown Kitchen or Queenie's or Going Coastal, and our homeless people will eat better than anybody in this town every single time. Every time. Sometimes I want the shelter to open just where I can have hanger steak with them. From Zach, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, we'll bring breakfast. I don't need breakfast food. Earl Darby, every single day we're open, make sure we have breakfast food. But I said, but you can come down here and sit. Someone's got to be in the building when they're here. Crickets. Ah, oh, I don't have time. I mean, I work. Oh, I work too. 
Oh, I have kids. I have kids. Someone said, I have pets. I have four freaking dogs now. How does that happen? We brought another one home. I don't even like animals. Our kids. Man. We had no kids last night at the house. I thought, man, this is going to be relaxing. How long has it been since we had no kids? I sat on the one couch. Christine sat on the other couch. She watched her thing. I was watching football. Every 10 minutes, a dog was fighting with another dog. Dog had to go outside. Dog was thirsty. Dog was jumping on the couch. There was nothing pleasing or relaxing about it. Our time. We're not willing to give our time. We're not willing to give our time on Sunday morning. It's funny, everybody shows up to church every week and loves that church happens. Do you know everybody here, including me, just volunteers our time? Everybody in the band volunteers their time? I pulled into this parking lot at 6.55 this morning, opened the door to my office, and heard music coming from here because Barry was already down here. Running lines and running cables and fixing this and getting that ready. Want to give their time. I don't want to miss the service. But you know what? If everybody gave their time, you don't have to miss service about once a month. But we think it's all about us. We're selfish. I'm not trying to hurt you. It's giving you reality. We're selfish. That's an amazing thing called a podcast. Got an amazing thing called Facebook. You can go there and watch the service live after you served. But we think just magical elves appear and greet and serve in the band, and magical elves run that tech booth, and magical elves run that kid's area. I'm going to tell you what I'm about to. I'm about this close to shutting the kid's area down. I told you that about six months ago, and I feel like I'm getting my bluff called. You go about three weeks with all them kids in this service. Let's see how much you enjoy church. We'll find another church. Find one. I told you, I've been trying to get God to release me forever. Don't threaten me with a good time. We'll bring all the kids in here, let Kristen pour coffee all over them. They'll be so loud and wound up, we won't even be able to listen to service. Huh. <laughs> God, I love this place. But not only our time, we have this amazing thing called talent. Do you know each and every one of you have unique gifting? You have unique talent. You have things that make you who you are. And you're amazing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, the book of Psalms says. God knows the hairs on your head. And every one of us are different. That's why we're called, the local church is called the body of Christ. I guess I'm the mouthpiece in the body. Some of you are in the mind. We have people around here that make decisions that help the business of this church run, make sure this gets paid and that gets paid and the lights stay on. And some of you are the hands of Christ. And some of you are the heart. Man, I am not the heart. You're the heart. You got compassion for people. Felt bad last week. I was talking to Natalie Art's daughter and she was like, we're thinking about doing a thing and, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, like, a pastor with a heart would be like, don't worry about it, we'll handle it. I like, okay, sounds good, we just won't feed anybody, it's no big deal. I just blew it off. But dang it, three minutes later, God sends someone with a heart, Faye calls me. And not Faye that has the heart, let's clarify that. She's a mouthpiece too. 
calls and says, hey, Kathy and all the ladies want to make sure there's food down there for the funeral. I was like, oh, yeah. I probably should have done that as the pastor. But thank God we got people that have a heart. And some of you are the legs. And some of you, man, you're the ones that do the heavy lifting around here. Everybody's got, and so some of you, man, you're the singers. You got that talent. Yeah, some of you are the, the ass, because you got to have an ass in the body. I think we just ran a few of those off. Oh, did I say that? You can email me at Gary, I don't give a crap.com. It's the body. We all have talents. Someone asked me the other day, said, can I, can, can I serve? I said, well, why can't you serve? Well, in my last church, I could serve. Why couldn't you serve? Well, I'm divorced. So you're divorced? You can't say hello to someone at the front door? We eliminated divorced people in this place? Golly. Chuck and Laura Rogers would be the only ones that could serve. I know some of you have been married longer. I'm not trying to insult you. Just being funny. Some of the other day want to serve in the kids' area. I said, we run a background check on you. Oh. Well, I said, I said, as long as it don't come back that you've done anything with kids and beat on your spouse, we're good. If we eliminated everybody here that had a DUI and a dope charge, you think we'd have anybody serving the kids' area? Give me a break. Don't, don't do weird things with kids and slap your spouse around. So I came the other day and they said, uh, can I serve? Why can't you? I couldn't serve at my last dress. I said, why? Oh, I'm a lesbian and I'm married to a woman. I was like, okay. I, they, they would let me come. I just couldn't serve. Why well, need you to serve? You can serve. I don't know if I agree with that. That's Okay. You ain't got to agree with it. Probably the ones of you that don't agree ain't serving. You got talent. God gave you your talent to be used. First Peter, each of you should use whatever gift you received. I don't know what gift you have. But you do. You're good at what you do. Someone told me recently, they said, man, Linda Dobbs makes me feel so special. That's her gift. I don't have that gift. At all. Someone told me one time, Tanya May just knows when to reach out and pray with me or just knows, man, I just sent me flowers. She just knew. I don't have that gift. Someone said, so-and-so's encouragement. I don't have that gift. What gift do you got, Gary, to be loud? I'm going to be redneck on stage. That's the only gift I got. I'm using it for God. Each of you should whatever gift. Whatever gift you have. I don't know what your gift is. The gift of prayer, the gift of discernment, the gift of love, the gift of loving children, the gift of whatever. Use it to serve others. The gift of giving as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God gave you gifts to serve others. 
Yes, your gifts might also provide for you in your secular job, but that's not why you were given those gifts. You were given those gifts to serve others. See, when God says, I want all of you, he says, I want your time. What, what time are you willing to give me? He said, I want your talent. What a shame that we use our talent for the world, but won't use it for the kingdom of God. I don't get it. 1 Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore I need you to stir up the gift. Let me show you what stirring it up equates to me. I love cheese dip. Anybody love cheese dip? The proper way to make cheese dip, according to my wife, is you make just enough cheese dip for what you're going to eat at that moment. My problem with that is, it's a lot of work every time I want cheese dip. So I have a huge bowl, I just chop it all up, make it, put it in my, uh, the refrigerator. Whenever I want it, I just got to be lazy and throw it in the refrigerator. But here's what I got to do to get that cheese dip. I got to stir it. If I don't stir it, it starts to burn. If I don't get in there and stir that cheese dip up, I'm going to have some cheese dip today, matter of fact. In honor, Christine's like, I thought we were watching, it's an honor of art. He was a Buffalo Bills fan. In honor of art, so don't even guilt me today. I'm honoring art. I'm going to wash the bills. I'm going to stir it up. Never mind you stir up the gift of God, which is through you in the laying of my hand. Man, God says, give me what you have. i got one more thing that I want to talk about. I'm not going to. I'm going to take a whole sermon to break it down because it's going to make half of you mad. You're going to get an attitude, and I want to break it down in the last five minutes. So we'll piss you all off next week. First time guessing, we're never coming back. Well, I hope you tune in next week. It's going to be fun. Thank you for joining us today. We're really not that bad. We love you. We just don't do religion real good. That's where you say, man, I say, we don't do religion real good. We do real, real good. We do authentic real good. So here's my question to you. Are you giving God everything you have? I don't have anything to give you. You have your time. You have talent. You're just selfish. I'm selfish too, I get it. Not preaching at you, preaching with you. Sometimes we get selfish. I'm going to confess something to you. I was like, I can't believe it. You don't ever cancel service. I kind of wanted to cancel service last week. I was tired. I was selfish. Now, I didn't just cancel it because I was selfish. The storm was supposed to hit at 10 o'clock. But I sure wasn't griping when we decided to cancel it. I got excited. I started planning the next day, didn't I, Christine? Thank God for being there finally. Three strikes, you'd have been out. I was like, you know what we're going to do? I said, tomorrow I want pancakes. I planned out the whole day like it was vacation. I said, don't mess with me at this time because I said, there's this thing called the pregame show. I'm going to watch it. Man, it was awesome. But I was just being selfish. And they didn't do anything. I said, we ain't never canceling church again. I got a four-wheel drive truck. If no one else can make it, I'm going to make it. So here's the deal. We'll never be canceling again. Sorry. Blizzard can come. I'll be here. Jeff Waldron will come get me on his four-wheeler and get me here. Because I got convicted about being selfish. You got your time, you got your talent, and you got your... We'll talk about that next week. Let's pray.